The helmet of salvation. Oh, I almost forgot something. I don't know if it will work like this. I can't see. It's not a good idea. It's a bad idea, Jared. Helmet of salvation. I was going to teach with this whole thing on, but I got a real good dude going on. It's probably going to mess it up. So, And it's, it's hurting my ear. So I'm going to leave this right here so you can see it. I got to put it on a couple times today. I was going to lead worship with it on. I'm just kidding. Let's look at Ephesians 6.10. That's where all this is held, guys. This is the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation is another one like the sword of the Spirit. It's kind of what the whole Bible is about. All the Old Testament is actually showing us what is to come of salvation. And all the New Testament is showing us the salvation is here. So when I started looking into salvation, it was kind of like last week where I was like, there's so many scriptures, where do I go? There's so many. So I had to pick the ones that could confine it together for us to really help us understand it to the fullest extent. So what we're going to jump in here is Ephesians 6.10. I'm going to read it all the way from the beginning. I'm not going to define all the words for you because we've already done that, right? But I think it's really important that we get context to everything. So here it is right here. Finally, brother, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you can withstand against the wiles of the devil. Remember, we talked about wiles. That was the ambush. It's something you didn't even know was coming. Verse 12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers and against rulers of darkness of this world and against spiritual wickedness in high places. This is all trying to tell us, look at the person beside you real quick and say, you're not the enemy. Y'all, that didn't sound very convinced. If you're sitting by your spouse and they are the enemy this morning, go sit by somebody else. <laughs> Say it to your neighbor. You're not the enemy. We discovered that there's no person on this planet that is your enemy, no matter what creed they come from, background, religion. They're not the enemy. They're your brothers and sisters, and our job is to guide them back to the presence of God. The battle that we fight is not against them. It's against something else. It's against this thing in the spiritual realm. There is an enemy out there. I just want you guys to know that. So... Verse 13, therefore take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and, don't, and have done all, stand. Verse 14, stand therefore, and here's where we start to list what these aspects of the armor of God is. With your loins girded about with truth, so belt of truth. With your breastplate of righteousness, so this is the righteousness of God that you were made in. And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of, the, of peace. That one there's your shoes of peace. And above all, taking the shield of faith, where you may be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked. And here we come to verse 17. And take the helmet of salvation. Now, I'm not going to read the rest of that verse, because that's next week. That's the cliffhanger. Next week. Tune in. So, helmet of salvation. Let's look at a few things real quick, because we have to understand, these are all analogies. You are aware, guys, I had this conversation with my daughter last night, and it was, it was, it was really actually impactful to me, if I can share this real quick. Is I was sitting in my office, kind of going through my, my studies and stuff like that, and Ann said, can I study with you? I said, sure. She said, can I use the big Bible? If you've been to my house, I have two giant Bibles that have been in my family for longer than I've been alive, longer than my brother. I have no clue. I think my great-grandfather had these Bibles. One of them was given to him as a gift for how many Bibles they bought and like shipped out. I mean, it's a big Bible. I'm going to preach out of it some Sunday. It's like this big, guys. I'm not even kidding. So when it's opened up, it is like a blueprint of your life right there. It's huge. And she wanted to read out of it. I mean, and the text is this big. Anyone can read that Bible. Like, I could probably set it here, and you could read it from the back. So I'm in my, and I say, I really didn't want to get it down because it's at the top of the bookshelf. But I got it down anyways. I was like, 
if there's anything to go out of my way to do, dance recital like we went to earlier in the day is not one of them getting the Bible they want to read. Let's do that. So I got it down, and she sat on the floor, and she said, I want to read about a girl in the Bible. I was like, okay, Esther. Flips to it, about two verses in. She's like, I don't know any of these words because they're all weird names and stuff. So she's like, what are you studying? I said, um, Ephesians, the armor of God. And okay, so I show her where Ephesians is. She gets there and she starts reading it. And she's reading it out loud, which is distracting to me because I'm trying to study. <laughs> but she reads it all. And as she reads through it, she says, Dad, what does it mean, armor? I don't have any. She literally said this to me. And it, and it was interesting to me because remember, she's in children's church, so she doesn't really hear everything. It's an analogy, guys. We may put real shields up there, but we have to understand that this is showing us something in the spiritual realm that's like armor. It's like this. It works similar to these things. It works similar to shoes when you put them on and how it protects your feet so you can walk the path. It works similar to putting something over your heart so it can protect your lungs and your breath, which the breath is spirit. It does similar things. That's what this armor is. So when you dive into the pieces of the armor, there's a reason they use specific pieces for specific things, like a shield, as we talked about last week. Now, this one is the helmet. This one is from medieval times, and it will not protect you very well. Matter of fact, I'll tell you a funny story. When I put it on, it had spiders in it because I'd been sitting in my thing. Scared me to death. They were little bitty spiders, but for like two hours, I was like, you know, like when someone says lice, the rest of you are scratching your head the rest of the day, right? So I, when I put it on, I kind of thought about that for a second when I put it on. But a helmet, you know what a helmet was for? Or is for, rather, even. You know, it's interesting. There's all kinds of different helmets. Depending on what you're doing, you need a helmet, right? Uh, you ride a bicycle, you put a helmet on your kids if you care about them more than I do. I don't put a helmet on my children. Uh, <laughs> I love my kids. I'm kidding. But if you're riding a motorcycle, what do you do? Put on a helmet. The same helmet for a bicycle does not work very well for a motorcycle, right? Right. This one is a jousting helmet. That's what it was used for. It actually had very, very small slits. It was very hard for actually knights to see out of things like this because whenever they were trying to look at it, they wanted to protect all of this. So what they would do is as they were jousting, they had little bitty slits and they could just barely see. Like, y'all know in the movies, they, like, they hit each other every time. I'm 90% sure if you did your historical research, they never even hit the mark because they, could, they couldn't even see half the time. They had, to, they had to work at seeing. But see, different helmets for different situations. A helmet is to do something interesting. It, it, in the Bible, when it uses the word helmet, this is the direct translation. It means an encirclement of the head to protect the mind or things from blows, like a blow to the head, right? Like this is a pretty sensitive area I have experience with that. Here's the best way we can put this. The helmet was worn to impact or absorb. This is like what if you look up what a helmet is and you like go through Wikipedia and try to figure out like what do historians say it was largely for? It was this right here. To be worn to absorb the impact of a fall or a collision. It was worn to absorb all the impact that came from falling or, or, or some kind of a collision or something like that to protect this area. It absorbed all the impact. Think about that as we're talking through the rest of this. Now, that's what a helmet is. That's pretty self-explanatory, right? Y'all all know that. Now, back in the 80s, women tried to do a different helmet, and it was made out of hairspray and hair, and it was ginormous. That was their helmet of salvation every Sunday morning. So, <laughs> I'm kidding. My mom had one, too, and then hers was like a full body armor. I think her hair was like down to here. She's going to watch this. I probably shouldn't say that. Uh, <laughs> so, salvation. 
We have to define a few things about salvation before we just jump on into it here. There's a few things we have to understand about salvation. This is number one, so you may want to write these down here. Our projector's not working, so you have to use your app for, uh, for your scriptures or use a real Bible, whichever one you so choose. But here's one thing you have to understand about salvation. I'm going to qualify all this with scripture, okay? Do you know what I mean when I say qualify? That means I'm not going to just say it and expect you to believe me. I'm going to show you scriptures that say what I'm backing up here. And there's way more than this. I just shrunk it down for you, okay? The first thing about salvation you have to understand is it's a gift. It's a gift. This is the first thing you have to understand about it. Ephesians 2, 8 and 10 says it to us this way. For by grace you are saved through faith, not of yourself. It is the gift of God. Verse 9 says, not of works, lest any man should boast. And then verse 10 is a, a relatively popular scripture. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. So we were being ordained to walk in them. But let's focus on this piece right here. By grace you are saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's a gift. And then verse 9, not of works, lest you should boast. Do you want to know why it can't be done by your works? This is re religion uses works because of this key, key point right here. Which is when you have works, you get to judge based off of how much you do. Think about work. Why do certain people get paid more than others? They are deemed as worth more because they can do more. Usually, you get paid more for harder work or more work or knowledge that you have about a specific subject, right? You don't expect the person at McDonald's to get paid the same as like a CEO of a company. Now, why that CEO of the company makes a whole lot more, some of it may be unjustified, we're not going to, but why do they get paid more? They maybe have schooling, maybe they have a lot of experience, Right? Different things like that. That's the reason it can't be done off your works, because then all of a sudden we get to, and God would have to say, well, I guess Daniel, you know, he was only, how old are you, dude, 11? He's only 11. He didn't have really that much time to do enough good, so his bank account's a little lower. Uh, but Justin over here, you know, he bank, he's Mr. Banker over here. Um, you know, he's worth a little more. Doesn't that seem ludicrous to think about God looking at us that way? We think it, but do we think it here? Because we have a struggle because religion has taught us this. Maybe it was inadvertent. I don't know, because religion is not a person. It doesn't have a heart, but it created this concept of your works, and that starts to create this level. It had to be done through something that just said it's a leveled playing field, and it's this one thing called salvation. Now, let's look. The word grace here means unmerited favor or like a gift. So it says right here, for by grace, or for by this unmerited favor that you got this gift, you are saved. The word saved here is the root word of these other words of salvation. There's actually salvation. There's two words for salvation in the Greek. And then there's the word sozo, which is saved, like kind of like the action of salvation. Okay, we'll go into that in a little bit. Saved means this. This word sozo, if you want to try to spell it, it's like S-O-Z-O -O with like a little asterisk weird thingy. Uh, but... It means this. It means to be healed, made whole. So this gift will make you healed and made whole. Now this applies in two realms. Again, remember, everything is, is an analogy. So it's spiritual and physical. We'll get to that in just a little bit. Through faith. We talked about faith in depth last week. So you can research that to understand the fullness of faith. But the interesting thing is this through faith. The word through here means because of. So if we read it, it says this gift of unmerited favor for your complete healing and made wholeness is because of faith. And last week, we had a great definition for faith, which is standing fully convinced that God has your best interest at heart. That's faith in God. 
standing fully convinced. So it's a gift. Does that stand for everybody? It's a gift. That's the first thing we have to understand. You can't obtain it. There's nothing you could do to get it. He gave it to you already. Now, you can choose to open the gift, right? What would it be like on Christmas morning? You bought your kids all the gifts and you left it there. And they're like, eh, I'll get to it later. You don't see your kids do that. My kids ask, like, if there is a tree up, they're like, where are the presents? Can we open one every day till Christmas and then still open some on Christmas? People love gifts. Who's been given anything just recently, give or take? I was given gifts on my birthday. It was my 30th birthday, and I was given some amazing, seriously, still to this day, I think it's like some of the gifts that were given. And it wasn't because of amount of price or this or that. It was thought that was put into it. This gift was specifically tailored for me. I didn't get some random gift of like, uh, who's ever got a Christmas sweater gift? I got one from Taryn's grandmother. I think she was trying to run me off. First Christmas, she gets me the ugliest, and she tried to. I found out later, she purposefully got the ugliest sweater she could find to see my reaction to it, which I put on a good face, I think. I have no clue where the sweater went, but a gift. That's not the gift. You didn't get the ugly sweater gift. You got the whatever gift that it is that you like. My, my son wanted an iPhone for his birthday. He got the gift he wanted. Matter of fact, he got a little bit better. He just wanted a little bit newer one, and I gave him something even better than what he had. That's the gift. That's imperative that we understand the gift nature of this. You couldn't earn it. He gave it to you. If you choose to open it, that's between you and God. We'll talk about that in a minute too. So, second one is like a parallel to it, which is this right here. It's not of works, or in Scripture we see this one called the law. Okay? Again, refer to last week to have the full scope of what the word law means in Scripture. It has a lot of different connotations to it. The best one for this is a Scripture that I think... We should all know it's John 3, 16. Okay, y'all thought I was about to say 3.30. Now, <laughs> John 3, 16. What? For God so loved the world that he gave a gift, his only begotten son, that whoever does what? Believes will not perish, but have everlasting life. This is the core scripture behind understanding salvation. There's one right after it, though, that's really, really important to help us understand. It's not of works or of the law, because in verse 17, it says, oh, we know 16, but not 17. <laughs> verse 17 says this right here. He says, for God sent his son into the world, not to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved, sozo, complete, healed, made whole. That was the purpose of salvation, and it is a gift that is only received one way, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Y'all like all my cliffhangers? <laughs> so let me just, I'm going to quote to you about three scriptures real quick, um, and chapters of scripture. I'm not going to like read all of the chapter, but these are your homework scriptures. If y'all uh, haven't been here before, I give homework scriptures because you need to go home and read all the details of this because we'd be here for four hours if I didn't. <laughs> so Ephesians 1.13, so we're, we're reading in Ephesians 6. If you back up a little bit, it helps us with some qualifiers to understand things. And Ephesians 1.13 talks about being sealed by the Spirit. It, it talks about how salvation through faith, and it is sealed with the Holy Spirit. That is an interesting scripture and understanding because the word sealed means to be stamped it means to be like set you ever like back in the old days they would have the seal of the king on a letter and that let them know whose authority it came in and it says that this gift and this faith that you have it comes sealed by the spirit of god by god himself seals it and said done 
done son. Okay? So Romans 13, and you could start at verse like 7 all the way kind of to the end, into chapter 14, because it just, it just keeps going. You could just read and read and read right there until about mid-14. It all has to do with the same understanding. And it's this cool thing, like, I've never actually read this particular area of Romans, right? Like, I'm sorry, guys, I'm not spiritual enough. I haven't read through the whole Bible in a year or any of that kind of stuff. I read as God impresses to me to read. And, and I was reading and searching up some other stuff, and then I saw this, and I just kept reading. I was like, whoa, I didn't even know that was done in the Bible. And here's what it does. It starts talking about how it's not works. It's, it's a gift. It's faith. It's belief. That's all you have to do. That's your only work is to have faith. Everything else is taken care of. And then he actually goes and lists the Ten Commandments right here in the middle of it. Doesn't even hesitate. This dude was bold. If you don't know who wrote this, it was Paul, by the way. So he straight up starts calling them out on the Ten Commandments and lists them all. And then he says something so cool. He says, all of this is comprehended, is the word he used. I love that word because I sometimes struggle with comprehension. Who ever heard of comprehension reading? Right? You can read something, but you don't actually comprehend. What does the word comprehend mean? Right here in Scripture, the word comprehend actually means to be gathered into one. So he lists the Ten Commandments, and he says all of that, all the law, all that stuff is comprehended in one thing. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love to God with all your heart. He says it right there, and he calls it out. If you keep going in 14, he goes into even more detail and starts listing all kinds of stuff that he's like, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. But you know, it's all put into one by just doing this thing over here, showing us that it is not of the law or not of the work. It is of your faith, which, again, we talked about last week. Y'all getting this? Because I have to lay this out before I hit you with some knowledge at the end of this. The third piece of salvation that we have to understand is this. It's an exchange it's not just a gift. There's an exchange that happens with it, okay? I was going to do this because uh, I gave this idea. <laughs> Steph and I were talking, and I was going to get all these rocks. Imagine carrying around a bunch of rocks, and someone gives you a gift. Have you ever had your hands full, and someone wants to give you something? But you got your hands full, and I really want it. Mine's a Red Bull on Sunday mornings. I need a little bit of energy sometimes. <laughs> And sometimes I'm coming, like this morning I had the helmet, and I didn't put it on, but I should, maybe I should have. I had the helmet, I had my thing, and I had my son's piano that I was carrying up here and had all this stuff. And even my brother, when I got in the car, I gave him a Red Bull and me a Red Bull. We're both ready this morning. And I was going to hand it to him, but he had something in his hands. It's not just a gift that you have to keep everything else in your hands. So if you can imagine walking around with bricks. Bricks are the best example of it. I mean, bricks just suck. Have you ever hauled brick? It's not just because of the weight. It's like chalky and like, and like your fingernails even like accidentally scrape on it. And then there's always spiders and stuff. See, me and spiders, I'm getting to be like my wife. I don't like spiders. We were moving bricks in Justin and Colleen's garage. And Colleen, I thought we were about to have a heart attack because we're, we're over there and we're just moving bricks. They're a pile of bricks. Literally this tall, just stacked in the corner. We move them out here. Ah! And there's a big old spider. I'll give her that. It was a big spider. Why? Because when it's, think of bricks and you're carrying them around, it's, it's not fun, it's not good, it sucks. And God's not saying, hey, let me give you a gift. It's cool. Just when you get ready, put that down. No, he's saying it's an exchange that happens. He says, give me all of that, and then I'll give you this. It's just an exchange. And all you have to say is, okay. And they're bricks. No one cares. Just drop it. It's interesting. Now, scriptures that back that up, because I know some of you are thinking, well, now, 
We've got to work a little bit. I already read you a few of those. Let me give you a couple. I'm not going to read through this whole thing. But 1 Peter uh, 2, verse 22 through 24 talks about this exchange. talks about exchanging your sin or missing the mark. We've talked about that quite a bit. For salvation. For faith. For a relationship with God. Now, 1 Thessalonians 5, 8 through 9, says this, talks about the same thing. And it says that it's not unto wrath. God is not giving you unto wrath, but unto salvation, unto healing and wholeness. It's not unto this judgment. It's not about all of that. All you got to do is give me the bricks, and then I'll give you the salvation. It's an exchange. So it's a gift, and you can have it either way. It's not about laws or works. He's given it to you. It's free. Everybody says, oh, well, nothing comes free in life. Salvation is free. There's no cost to it for you. The cost was already paid. Now, again, last week we talked about filling in a hole if you remember that, and how you can't fill in a hole more than it's filled. Then you start to create something called a mountain or a mound. Then you have to walk over it. It's not very smart. So it is an exchange that happens. Now, the next one that shows us this exchange more beautifully, in my opinion, is in Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 is in the Old Testament, if you're not aware of that, which means Jesus was not born yet. He was not even thought of. This is give or take Five to hundred to a thousand years later, I don't know the exact time frame, but it's a lot earlier than when Christ came, okay? And this is what it starts to say. It starts to talk about this exchange that's going to happen. It says he was wounded for your transgressions. He was whipped for your healing. And it says that he was beaten for your peace. I love how it was really interesting. If you read that whole chapter right there, like every piece of the armor of God is actually called out in a different way. Mind you, it's it was a long time before, so armor in the way that they understood armor in, in the New Testament wasn't there. But every piece, peace, it talks, about, uh, it talks about peace. It talks about all of your, your righteousness. It talks about all of that and how there was this exchange. And this was prophesying the exchange was going to happen, the salvation exchange. That's what Isaiah 53 talks about. There's your homework passages. I only gave you about six chapters to read. Have at it. So now... We can jump into the last little bit here. I want to define one more thing. So these are all just understandings of the scope of salvation before we actually define more details. Now, yes, healing and made whole is, is the kind of the umbrella in which we're standing under. But it's a gift. Can't earn it. It's not of law or works. It's a level playing field for us. And then the next one is it's an exchange. He takes something in return. Not because you had to pay for it. He takes all the crap and the bricks and the nasty spiders and whatever it is. That's the interesting thing about it. It doesn't matter. There's not like a cost limit. It's not like your bank account or your credit card where there's a limit to hit. It's like AMX Black. No limits. Okay? I hear lots of people talk about there's limits and what about this and what about that. There's no limits. Okay, the last piece right here, so this is number four. So the exchange was number three, the number four is right here. It's a personal relationship. Your salvation is between you and God and you and God only. I can't help you with it. I have nothing to do with it. It's between you and God. Your spouse has nothing to do with it. Your kids may make you think you're going to lose it because <laughs> they test you. But it's between you and God. No one else can help you with it, just you and God. Now you say, well... Well, where does it say that? I'm going to show you something pretty interesting. If you're religious, hold your ears. <laughs> Philippians 2.12. Love this scripture. Philippians 2.12 says it like this. Whoops. Don't mess up the iPad. Says it like this. 
right here, if it will pull up, not Thessalonians. Thank you. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, what is happening right here, this is not Jesus talking, this is a disciple talking, and he's saying it this way, saying, hey, you know, it's great that you've been listening to, to what I have to say when I'm here. But even when I'm gone, a lot of us wish our kids would do that. Even if you're gone, they will obey all the rules. Right? And he's saying they're doing that. It's great. You're obeying the rules, whatever. But he's saying, work out your own salvation. What does this mean, work it out your own salvation? It's something you possess. It's a gift that you possess. And when you possess it, it's up to you to take care of whatever you possess. Now you think, you think take care. Well, that means I have to work to take care of it. No, no, no. It just means to care for it. Think of it that way. I care for it, right? When, when we talk about loving people, we say, oh, I really care for that person. That's kind of like our way of saying, like, I love them, but we're not quite comfortable with saying I love them, you know? It's like a little weird. You know, if I was like, hey, JR, I love you, man. Maybe, maybe we're not quite understanding that level of love, but I, oh, I care for JR a lot, you know? Care for your salvation, meaning to, to look at it, observe it, and understand the importance of it, and work it out. Because it's yours between you and God. Because it is a relationship that is developed and formed. And if you don't work it out yourself, you're going to end up having someone else tell you how it should work. And there's an interesting piece when someone else tells you how something should work. I have a wife. I like to use her examples, especially when she's not in here. So, I have a wife. And I have a relationship with my wife. I'm going to pick on Dustin and Steph. You're in here. I normally don't see you. Uh, Dustin and Steph back there, they have a relationship, right? They're husband and wife. I'm husband and wife. We even have the same titles, right? So, hey, you're a Christian? I'm a Christian. Works. But, you know, there's interesting things that Dustin gets by with, with Steph, because Steph is oh so nice, that I don't get by with. <laughs> and I got to work that out my own salvation, because my wife will bop me upside the head a good one. Between my wife and I, not between, I can't go to Steph and say, hey, Steph, you let Dustin, whatever. He doesn't have to help you clean. I'm throwing Dustin under the bus. Uh, don't worry, you can fix that transmission on the bus afterwards. I can't go to Steph and say, well, you, you tell, tell Taryn that I don't have to do that. She would laugh hysterically. Now, that is what we do with religion, because we make it work. We, we take away the level playing field and the gift of it all, and we say, no, no, no. I can't do that, so you can't do that. Or, I do this, so you do this. Right? I sing. All of you guys should sing. Some of you are like, no, you don't want me to sing. Some of you are like, oh yeah, I can jam out. This girl is on fire right? But you can't apply everything about a relationship to everyone else's relationship. It's a personal salvation. That's why we even call him our personal savior, because that's what the spirit of God does. And if you look at all of our other sessions, he works it out in you. All we're doing here this morning is saying, hey, we got to learn uh, where he is, how it works. And then you start talking to him and he starts working things out in you. He starts convicting you of things, right? 
There's a difference in condemnation and conviction because you are aware every one of these pieces of armor has an opposite side to it, right? We talked about that with truth. There was lies with righteousness. There was religion. We talked about peace. There was unrest. You know what the opposite of the helmet of salvation is? Is the helmet of condemnation. Hello. Siri, are you there? (laughs) Right? It's condemnation, not conviction. Conviction is something that no man is a part of. Condemnation is from a man. Right? We condemn buildings all the time, right? We put boards up and we say, nope, not fit. But conviction is something that happens in your heart and no one else even knows you're getting dealt with about it. Conviction is of the spirit. Condemnation is of man. And salvation has conviction. Now we're going to talk about why real quick. And then, and then I'll kind of wrap us up into this. We're going to talk about why, real quick, it was a helmet. Because that's very important to understand. Now, let's define, real quick, salvation before we dive into it. Which is this. There's two words for salvation. There's, and again, guys, I don't know how to pronounce them all exactly. I'm not a Greek scholar. But solterion and solteria. Two different words. One is talking about an individual. The other is talking about, like, the action of it. Okay, so Soterion is a defender, one who comes to your defense. When we look at the helmet of salvation, the word salvation is Soterion, the helmet of the defender, the one who comes to your defense. It's Jonathan's phone. Can someone go tell Jonathan? (laughs) Man, Jonathan is the man of the hour, but not like Bryce. Bryce is too sweet to be sour. Where's he at? So, the defender, one who comes to your defense. Now, the other one, solteria, is to be rescued. So, it's like the action of what this person does. The solterion brings solteria. The defender, the one who brings, is, comes to your defense, brings rescue. That makes sense, right? If I'm the coffee runner, I bring the coffee, right? Okay. So, healing is next. Rescue, healing, wholeness. These all culminate to what salvation is. Now, this is a big piece to me. Why it is important to understand this is because it's to understand what Christ did, the solterion, the one who came to the defense, and then how you can walk it out. Now, I want to define a word here in Ephesians. Y'all thought we all like, oh, we're already done reading Ephesians. No, we're right back to Ephesians 6 and 17. Because in Ephesians 6, 17, it says over here, and take the helmet of salvation. Let's define this word take. When we think take, most of us probably think of little children taking like a toy from somebody, right? Like it wasn't yours and you took it or like you forcibly ripped it out of someone's hand, right? That's typically take, right? You don't say I I took something from the store because everybody's going to think you stole it. What did you say? I bought it. You, we use different words to describe something that is the given or received. Well, it's the same thing in Scripture. It's the word take, but we have to understand what that word take is. And here's what the word take there means. It means to receive, to accept, to embrace. Embrace. And this part, I loved it. So if you look at what the root of the meaning of embracing right here and what the word take means, it means to embrace into a family and to be educated. 
To take means to embrace into the family and be educated. Here's what I thought of when I thought of that. The kingdom of God, which we've defined over the last five to six weeks or so here, is the way God does things. So when we take, when we receive, and we embrace this helmet of salvation, when we embrace it like it's a part of us and a part of the family, and then we can be educated by it, and we can learn the way God does things, and that's how we learn the kingdom of God. The helmet of salvation is there to show you the way God does it. The way God does it, it says it's not about your works. It's a level playing field. Just get to know me, and I'll work out the rest with you. I will be the helmet, the thing that impacts and absorbs it all in any fall that you have in your life. If you're struggling with thinking about, I'm a failure, I didn't do this, it's like, you, you didn't put the helmet. You didn't put it on, because then when you fell, what'd you do? Bang! Brain tumor. You hit, your, you hit your head, and you had to absorb the fall, and it messes with your brain. But when you put the helmet on, salvation absorbs it all, and you can get right back up and say, that was fun, and do it all over again without condemnation. Because you know, all right, God's got my, God, God's got my back, he's got my mind, he's protecting it, and all I got to do is every time I fall, it absorbs it. Now, the difference is, is only an idiot would take a helmet and say, hey guys, I have a helmet on, watch, Whoa, boom, right? I used to watch a show that did that. Thought it was funny. I don't anymore because I'm really hoping my kids never watch that. <laughs> what? And that's what we think. We have this fear that, well, if you say that it catches and absorbs it, then you can just do whatever you want. Paul said it that way. All things are permissible, but not expedient. Because you know what? You bang your head enough into the wall, you're going to start messing up your neck and your spine and your back. You ain't going to walk right anymore. You're not going to see things right anymore. Are you catching this in the spirit? That doesn't mean that you're not protected. It just means, hey... There's a reason it goes over your mind, over your head, because that's where your thoughts are. That's the most important thing to protect. That's the most important thing that needs to be healed and made whole in your life. Do you know that majority of people today, if you were to do a survey, I was reading this on a, or not reading, sorry, watching this on a TED Talk, and then I read an article leading up to it, and it was talking about depression. And it was talking about, like, depression can, can be, you know, said in multiple different ways. But who here struggles with forms of depression? You know that 90% of America says that today. What is it? It's in the mind. The battlefield of salvation comes into your mind because, see, every other piece of armor is how to get you to stand here, and then the helmet of salvation is to keep you standing there because if you don't have your mind protected, you will start to think, well, I wasn't good enough, so you start to take off the breastplate. Well, I told a lie, so I'm going to take off my belt of truth. And you walk all the way back over here to this religion saying, say, well, I guess God's that, you know, he just doesn't want to talk to me anymore, and I just can't do it. I can never live up to that standard. And that's because you didn't put salvation on and understand that it was complete healing made wholeness wholeness is that a word yes i'm gonna use it wholeness it's it's there and it's gonna absorb it but you're not protecting the mind and you start convincing yourself the opposite of faith you convince yourself you're not supposed to be fully convinced Amen. well maybe i did something wrong or maybe they did something wrong and they're not saved anymore you know how many conversations that i have with people about who's saved and not saved and i say i don't know that's between them and god I am not the judge or the jury. Neither are you. All we do is say, I'm keeping my mind right. Now, there's some scriptures that show us this. And that's this right here. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world or put in the shape and the mold of this world, but be transformed 
by the what? Renewing of your mind. And you notice it doesn't say by a new mind. It says renewing it because that's the bricks that you're carrying around all the time. And some of us say, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I only need to drop like one brick. I do this with my kids all the time. It gets so frustrating. When we're doing groceries, we're like bulk grocery buyers, by the way. We went to Costco's yesterday. Dumb idea. Don't do that on a Saturday. But we're filling up like, you know, like the giant carts that they use to like put stuff up on the shelves. Like that's how we buy because we all hate going to the grocery store. And when we're unloading it, I'm trying to get my kids to give me pieces of it. And they like, they have like four bags on their arms and they take one at a time. And I'm like, oh my gosh, stop. Just give it all to me. That's what Jesus is saying. He's like, oh, come on, guys. You keep trying to reconvince yourself. You got to renew it. You don't just do piece by piece by piece. Just give it all and get rid of all of it because then all of a sudden, oh, wait, belt of truth, freedom comes from that. Oh, wait, now I know I can stand right here. And it starts to renew this thing up here, and you're no longer worried, stressed, or depressed. I believe that most of depression, not all, but most of depression is simply a spiritual deficiency. People are crying out and looking and saying, I don't know why nothing ever works out. And they're just reprogramming their mind and they're picking up more bricks and more bricks. And they say, ah, it's so weighty. Life is so hard. Come on, give me a break. Life was hard back in the medieval times whenever like, you know, bubonic plague came. Two thirds gone. Like, <laughs> it's like majority of the church, y'all all dead. And then you got no running water. Yeah, we got it easy, guys. But what, what makes us think we don't is we're unconvincing ourselves that God has our best interest at heart, so we lose our faith, and thus we think that we're no longer saved because we struggled with something, and he's saying, I'm absorbing it. I'm taking the hit. It's done. But let go of all the grocery bags. Don't give them to me one at a time. Just let it all go. Let it go. Everybody knows Frozen. That's Romans 12 too. Be transformed. The interesting thing about conformed and transformed is the word trans has a, a connotation about like transitioning upward to something. Transforming means there's something transcendent about it, meaning it's not something all natural. It comes from the natural and it transcends you out of the natural and it becomes spiritual. Okay? Now, Colossians 3 9 through 11 talks about putting on the new man. This is all about. The mind, it says, get rid of the old man, the old way of thinking, and get a new one on. You ever got a new job, and you did things one way at the old job, but then the new job, they do things way different, and you've got to do something. You've got to renew your mind into the way that they do things. That's the kingdom of God, by the way, continually renewing your mind so you can do things the way God does things. Because the way we do things is not sufficient, but the way Christ did things is completely sufficient. Now, 1 Peter 3, 4 talks about the hidden man of the heart, this hidden man that basically wants to come out and play. But we got to renew our minds for it. And then the core behind what we're going to talk about real quick as we wrap up is this right here. 2 Corinthians 10, 3. Here's what it says right here. For we walk in the flesh, but we do not war after the flesh. Verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. Verse 5, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, 
I'm unpacking about half of this, if that, for you, because there's a lot of information right here. But understanding, again, it's showing us, isn't it so interesting that it has to continually show us the battle we're talking about is not a natural battle. You waking up in the morning, that's a natural battle for you. Setting 15 alarms, that's a natural battle for you, right? But this thing is not natural. It's telling you it's something transcendent. It's something beyond it. It's spiritual. And the weapons that we're giving you, this armor, is not for attacking people in the natural. It is for working things out in the spiritual, which means against an enemy that is also spiritual, guys. I think there's a lot of, sometimes in today's world, we like to really just kind of not talk about that we have an enemy. It's like everything's rainbows and unicorns. It's like, no, it's not. There is an enemy out there. But as long, it is as long as you stay here, but yet we're not putting on the helmet. We're not protecting the mind. We're not renewing it. We're trying to do it the way the world does it. And that's what it, what it talks about. We don't war after the flesh. We may be flesh, but the real you is inside there. And that's the thing that God's trying to protect and bring out and say, let that hidden man there, let that one be the decision maker because that's me. That's the way I do things. That's my kingdom. Anything, I have found this. Anything that God asked me to do, I know it's God because I don't want to do it just the honest truth. Every time, like this morning, that praying for people, I didn't want to do it. My wife condemned me. No, she convicted me. She didn't mean, she wasn't trying to. She was just saying, do you think? Because I didn't want to do it. You want to know why? And I'm not saying that I, I'm not saying that I saw this in my own home church, because this is going to sound backwards, but I saw this. I grew up in church, and I saw people play with people's emotions, and I was so jaded by the fakeness of the Spirit there was a little bit of truth, and then I saw all this other fake and stuff that just kept getting, because, and some of it was an honest, like, people really wanted the presence, but we just manufactured it, and I got so jaded for the longest time. Still kind of am, like, most people say, oh, you like church? I don't like church. What? You're a pastor? No, I don't. I like the real church, but what we've created sometimes. Now, and again, I'm not bashing people. It's not about, well, this church is a big church. It has nothing to do with that, and I didn't want to do what I felt God told me to do. That's how I knew it was God, but I still didn't want to do it because it made me uncomfortable. I had to reprogram my mind because I thought if I said something like that and said, come forward and, get, and, and, and be prayed for, that all of you guys would be sitting out there and thinking, oh, well, he's just trying to create a blah, 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 blah. But again, it's between me and God. It's not between me and you. So I don't care what you think. I did what God told me to do, and maybe you thought it was all fake, and that's fine. But there were some that I know for a solid fact sitting up here. I can't see nothing but the bright lights, big city. But I saw there were people being impacted by the presence of God. It had nothing to do with what I, it just had to do with being obedient, which is what this talks about, under the obedience of Christ, bringing every thought into captivity. It's like herding cats sometimes with y'all's minds. You're running around trying to capture them all and put them in the box. And about the time you get one in the box, the other one gets out. Bring it into captivity. Imagination. I love this part. Imagination that exalts itself. Who's ever heard somebody? I'm going to give you a real life example, real close to the chest. Okay? We had a scenario in, in my life with my wife seven years ago, give or take. And we had an argument about something. I'm not going to tell you all the details because that'd get way too embarrassing because y'all be like, y'all are dumb. But, <laughs> and I was out of town at the time 
And I didn't talk to my wife for a couple of days, which my wife and I, we talk every single day. I mean, we work very closely together. I didn't talk to her for several days until I got back into town. And this interesting thing is that I had this imagination based off of something she said and something I said. I had convinced myself that by the time I got home, she wasn't going to be home and her and the kids were gone. And it was over the dumbest thing ever. <laughs> Again, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> but I had convinced myself. I had taken an imaginary thought, one thing, and all the while it let it stew. And I just kept picking up bricks and adding to it and picking up bricks and adding to it. And I had created something that was not reality. And it exalted itself. It became bigger and it made itself bigger because I couldn't bring it into captivity. Now, again, y'all are thinking, oh, well, does that mean you failed? No. I just used my cushion, little absorption. Now, that was something in the natural, but that's what we do in the spirit is we allow things to grow. And that's why we have to put the helmet on is to make sure that we don't allow imaginations, things that are not real in your life. You are not worthless. You are not depressed. You know what? Yeah. You say, well, yes, I am depressed. No, say you're not depressed. Say, you know what? I call salvation, healing and wholeness in place of this thing. I feel a depression. There's another scripture that says, call things that aren't, or be not as though they were. So what is it? What be not in your life? Healing and wholeness in your mind because you're depressed or you're that. It be not. Make it be. That's great English, right, brother? It's not there, so say, I call it. Because there's this whole other thing that I'm not going to talk about, which is next week. The sword of the Spirit. I'm going to say it. No, I'm not going to say it. Okay. So we'll talk about the sword of the Spirit next week. But you've got to start convincing yourself and put the helmet on and say, you know what? I'm standing here. I'm going to keep my breastplate on. I'm going to keep my belt on. I'm going to keep my shoes on. I'm going to continually renew my mind. That's why the scripture says meditate day and night on the scripture. Why? Because otherwise you're herding cats all your life. And most of you, that analogy of herding cats, you're like, whoa, that was all last week and last month. And oh my gosh, the last decade. I've been running around herding cats because we allow these things to get out of control and we don't say, no, all right. God has my best interest at heart. What is the reality of this situation? And that's your challenge for the rest of the week to keep the helmet of salvation on if you need.